You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. There was no real moment of like, oh, I'm done. This is it for me. It was more like, what can I do to beat myself yesterday? I'm not comparing myself to anybody else, just what I did the other day. And there's still many, many, there's an infinite possibilities of how to win in life in general. And I just adjusted. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope that you had a glorious weekend. I most certainly did. This Fox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter, and I'm very, very stoked to announce that coming up on December 17th in Montreal, there will be the very first edition of Heavy Montreal presents Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal. That's right. Montreal has its very own metal and craft beer festival coming and i am so so stoked the lineup for this event was just announced and it is cryptopsy alongside the agonist the great sabatini necrotic mutation and burning the oppressor this event is happening at corona theater and at the event you'll be able to taste delicious beers from some of quebec's best breweries we got sir john brewing brasserie du bas canada bg brasserie urbaine Masorum brassatorium and Brassard de Montréal. I am just so damn excited that Brutal Montreal is happening. I can't wait to be on that stage and see all of those happy faces in the crowd. So damn stoked. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to rate it and write a review. Why do I want you to do that? Well, when someone's looking for a new podcast to listen to, what do they do? They scroll down. They look at the reviews. If those reviews are positive and favorable, they will most probably give that podcast a chance. So by you writing a review for the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, you could actually be the person that sways someone into becoming a new Vox and Hops head and that is something that i would truly appreciate now in today's episode i am with professor h shane hawk of iws hardcore get ready everyone this is vox and hops episode number 299 i warn you what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Professor H. Shane Hawk of the IWS. Professor H., how are you doing? Uh, let's start with a simple, uh, how are you feeling today? Honestly, if I was any better, it'd have to be twins. I'm feeling amazing, feeling good. Uh, <laughs> wrestling is back. <laughs> Things are coming normal again. Uh, couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. It's good to be me. I, that's That makes me happy to hear that because uh, things have been getting better because you guys just played a show you guys did a wrestling did. event and then that must have been great because i always like to start these podcasts asking uh, how you coped with the glorious pandemic that is is now behind us but yet seems to be lingering on it's still it's here forever mm. it's just it is what it is um i i coped decently well um i got into fantastic shape which That's was good. very helpful uh i worked from home the whole time so i really didn't struggle very much uh that being said i went through some severe professional wrestling withdrawal that's mm -hmm. for sure um i started wrestling in 2003 so this is one of the longest stretches that i haven't been able to actually uh put on events or train or uh, get get that hit of mm -hmm. pro wrestling i'm one of those kind of people so that was definitely rough but i mean overall a lot of people had it a lot worse than i did so i really i don't complain i uh just appreciate what I've got and what I had the whole time, you know? Absolutely. And I've been saying it a lot and I've been saying it to myself, there was two shapes to come out of COVID in, in shape and out of shape. So, so you, you were on the good side of things. So, so kudos to you. Yeah. I'm, I'm teetering on the opposite end of things for the moment because I need to fight the hops. Uh, Vox and hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends and 
professional wrestling athletes apparently recently and we talk about their lives music and craft beer now what beer are you drinking on your side tonight that we're going to be sharing virtually I am drinking uh, Stella Artois. It is not a craft beer. I am not fancy. I apologize. <laughs> I probably just lost a whole bunch of cred, but this no. is what I had in my fridge, and that's what I am drinking. Uh, Manny was drinking a bubbly, sparkling water. Mm. So, so you're you're at least on the alcohol side of things. And when I started getting deeper into trying to try more fancy beers. Stella Artois, those clear bottle brews were the ones that I gravitated mm. towards at first for sure here in Montreal. On my side, I'm drinking a fancy Belgueil. Uh, Belgueil just uh, opened up a whole micro side of things. So Belgueil is a microbrewery because uh, they're not associated to any big, huge breweries. Uh, RJ has been doing independent brewing for quite some time here in Quebec, uh, but they just opened up a, like a tap room, a micro tap room, and they have a fantastic brewer in there. Uh, this is their Keller beer lager. It's 100% uh, naturally carbonated. I'm going to crack this, and uh, I'd love to hear about your very first beer, Shane. You know, that's going to take me way back because I've, I was asked that question before. Um, I've been asked that question before, and a friend of mine butted in and said that I probably don't remember the first beer I've had today, let alone the first beer I ever had. But I'm going to do my best for you. I'm going to dig into the memory banks. Um <laughs> I had a nice, uh, nice little upbringing, nice middle class upbringing, you know. So, uh, as as you do when you're a early teenager, uh, you start rebelling because that's what you do. And I had a friend whose uh, father worked for uh, Captain Morgan, and I'm not going to give any names, just want to blow up anybody's spot. But uh, <laughs> dude definitely had a pretty big liquor cabinet, and we definitely raided it once or a few times uh, when we were kids, like you do, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I believe my first beer was a Labatt Blue. Hmm. I think. And that was just like in the fridge. And I just had that. Um, but I'm a beer taste guy. Okay. Like I, I will, I'm, I'm all into non-alcoholic beers as much as I'm into alcoholic beers just because I like the taste of it. I mean, I'm, I'm Scottish and uh, I'm Russian. What's two very big drinking influences in my uh, family <laughs> tree and uh, I love it uh, but yeah maybe Labatt Blue I think I think it was a very long time ago it was how old am I I'm in my 30s now I must have been like early teens 10 to 12 years old maybe wow. so yeah very very long time ago very illegal um, <laughs> but sparked a lifelong love for suds and now that I have to get into shape I can't drink as much and uh it's a bit of a shame, but I mean, you know, I don't want to look good on TV also, so I got to trade it off. Got to trade it off. Some calories in, calories out. Sometimes I'll do extra workouts so I can drink more beer, and that is the absolute truth. Um, <laughs> like, I'm on the treadmill or whatever. I'm on the Stairmaster, and I'm like, all right, if I get, like, another 200 calories in, that's an extra beer today. Sick. Um, and I really do do that. So... I rambled a bit there, but yeah, that first beer, Labatt Blue, I think, and it's only gone upwards from there. Well, I appreciate you having to climb onto your Stairmaster behind you there to, to hammer out an extra 200 calories for having this chat with me tonight. <laughs> Sometimes I do. Some, I mean, like, I literally have... So this is an exercise bike. Okay. <laughs> I just and saw the handles. <laughs> yeah, that that is absolutely something that, like, I'll, I'll bike and I'll, I'll do work at the same time and I get to add in those extra calories up and that way if I'm counting my macros, we just forget about that for the day and it's calories in, calories out. And I stay in in-ring shape. So Amazing. Amazing. Well, good for you. Good for you on that. Uh, take me to, uh, you mentioned that you're not into fancy beer. Uh, did you ever delve into the Quebec craft beer scene at all? Uh, the IWS has a wrestler by the name of Matt Falco who owns a brewery himself. It's called uh, Les Grands Bois. Hell yes. Um, and it's fantastic stuff. Really enjoy it. Um, they, ha they do a hibiscus beer, which I really, really enjoy. Um, and then... Our new we, we have new sponsorships and new new partners all the time. And I recently got on board the Laga Beer train and I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm more of a blonde, not white, blonde kind of lager guy. So I like I like it to go down smooth and crisp. And um, I like I, a terrible comparison that I was going to make is to sparkling water. Like I drink water for hydration <laughs> and I drink sparkling water because I like the taste as it goes down. Hmm. Um, I like the carbonation. I like the way like it, it feels I like the mouthfeel of carbonation. I don't know. Is that Me weird? Too. Absolutely. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, 
I do enjoy the smoothie beers. I like dark beers as well. Um, like I'll 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 down me a pint of Guinness, but that's with food, with good food. Um, a meal with a meal. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. Always. <laughs> uh, listen, got to get those gains in, brother. That's what we got to do. Uh, but yeah, uh, those are two of the, the, I mean, the two that come to mind anyhow. But that hibiscus beer from Les, Grand, Les Grands Bois is, is fantastic. And I'm sure that I'm going to send this to Matt Falco of the IWS now so that he gives me more free beer. Absolutely. And uh, if he wants to work with Vox and Hops, I'll be very happy because uh, Les Grands Bois make the best crispy boys in Quebec. Everyone knows that, and I love them. Let's talk about wrestling. Let's talk about 2003. Uh, I just had Manny on the podcast. We talked about how the IWS came to existence uh, from a crazy basically illegal show at Dawson that got them banned from just about any wrestling federation in Quebec, in Canada maybe (laughs) even because, you know, they were doing crazy ass shit in a a ring that was lent to them. Um, Everyone banned them. They were like, fuck it, we're going to start our own shit and the shit just went crazy. Uh, I started to go see the IWS at Le Scratch uh, probably back around 2000, 2001. Uh, You came around. How did you end up getting involved with the IWS, how did you end up becoming a wrestler? Okay, so um, Beef Wellington and Sami Zayn, who was at the time uh, just Rami Sabai, mm-hmm. uh, they, so I went to summer camp as a child. I went to Vanier College summer camp. Hell yes. And one of my summer camp instructors was named Shanna, Shanna McCord. Shout out Shanna because I love this woman even to this day. Uh, she knew very much that I liked wrestling. Um, and she started dating a wrestler by the name of beef Wellington hmm. and beef Wellington, uh, and Shanna are now married with a beautiful daughter, hmm. but that's some 20 something years later back then though, I would think I was 13. Yeah. Let's say 13. And, uh, he had started this IWS wrestling school. Like he was teaching it. He oh, was yeah. fresh out of Rougeau when IWS had started up this wrestling school. And uh, a friend of mine decided that we were going to try out for the school. I had a tryout and it was really good. And I really, I've loved wrestling my entire life. I mean, I grew up watching it with my grandfather in the same TV slot that IWS was playing on RDS. So it's come full circle. Amazing. That being, so I started, I started training uh, in the IWS training center uh, at age 13. Really? And uh, by 14, I had graduated within a few months. And then I had my first in-ring match in August of 2003 at 14 years old. Um, it was a tag team match in Valleyfield. Uh, it did really, really well. Uh, I have a martial arts background, and I did a lot of Olympic wrestling uh, in high school and just in general. So I kind of like took to it pretty quickly. And the showmanship part of it is something that I very much enjoy. And I feel like I very much had a grasp on for my entire life. Um, <laughs> started wrestling full time and just like local Quebec companies, like all those companies that Manny and them got banned from. I started mm. wrestling in them. I wasn't banned from them. I understand. Um, and then you, and you have this special thing that you're 14 and you can jump around and, and take the hits like a pro and well exactly and i can give the hits too and i'm 14 and i mean look i this is gonna sound like i'm bragging <laughs> in a way i am but <laughs> it's the truth at 14 i was better than like 80 percent of the scene already um there wasn't that much training back then though you know like it's not like it is now now we like we've opened the training center with like proper rings like you know i learned how to bump on concrete i didn't learn how to bump like we did it in the ring too but we would do it you know before shows you would get some training and there weren't dedicated training centers there weren't uh this these international coaches that we have now like there wasn't like this was before chris benoit too so things were a lot more dangerous um but yeah started at 14 uh have been wrestling since uh at age 18 uh one month after my 18th birthday actually uh i made my debut in the united states uh, for interspecies wrestling, and then that night there was a Shikara Pro Show at the ECW Arena uh, in Philadelphia, and they had a cancellation. So myself and another Montreal wrestler, Twiggy, uh, we filled in, uh, did really really well. They brought me back in March. Uh, had a match with um, now WWE superstar Ricochet. Uh, that went really really well, and I started touring with Shikara, and I was with them for about two or three years, uh, just touring in the states. I got to wrestle like amazing international talent like i was i'm an 18 year old kid man like i don't i was a little shithead but regardless i got to wrestle demolition in the one-man gang um it was very cool 
Because like I'd watch them growing up in the 90s and then here we go. Let's wrestle them. You're 18 years old getting paid to go around the world with your friends and play fight people in your magic pajamas. You know, like it, it was pretty cool. Um, always stayed in the IWS. Uh, since then, I've been a three-time Canadian champion. Now I'm executive producer, uh, head trainer of the school. So the school that I started training at in 2003 uh, is the school that I'm now the head coach of. It's the same lineage. It's even the same ring. So now I'm teaching people uh, how to wrestle alongside Speedball Mike Bailey, who's one of the uh, premier athletes in any given sport in the world. Um, And I I love the training facility that we set up. You know, I I made reference to how we didn't have much facility or equipment when I was in it, but now we have a full strongman gym, full powerlifting gym, two rings, uh, bags, everything you could possibly think of. And we have international talent giving seminars. So the level of training quality has definitely increased, which is fantastic. And it's leading to longer careers and it's leading to my students being able to do more. And uh, I'm very proud of that from where we've come. But I definitely started, yeah, 14 year old kid, no business being in wrestling whatsoever. <laughs> Zero business. <laughs> Parents were not happy. My nice Jewish mother has never even watched me wrestle. Really? I'm 33 now. Really? So, like, yeah, she, she can't do it. She thinks I'm going to get hurt. Uh, my dad was just like, yeah, get him, son. Absolutely. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, my dad's a. a He's a black belt in martial arts. Uh, so he loves like just all the combat stuff in general, right? Uh, but they didn't really have a choice. Like they kind of figured they could either let me do it safely and supervise me, or I was gonna like sneak out and do it anyway. Uh-huh. You know, so uh, they would give me lifts there and stuff. It was uh, a very unique way of living. So now I'm, I'm uh, here. We are some eighteen years later. <laughs> and I'm putting on shows myself and I'm still doing it. So, I mean, it wasn't just a, it wasn't a phase, mom. It wasn't a phase. It was, it was who I am. And uh, yeah, so now I'm doing the training. I'm teaching people. I've got, you know, a good 30, 40, I don't know. I really don't know how many students. I've, I've trained a whole bunch of students, a whole lot of people. Uh, half the show of the IWS now is composed of my students in the dojo. And uh, I just love wrestling, man. Like I, it's in my opinion, it's the most unique improvisational uh, form of storytelling because in no other form of storytelling, are you going to yell something at the audience, uh, sorry, from the audience to the wrestler and the wrestler will change their narrative based on what you yelled, right? Like I might not have planned to do a suplex today, but if you yell superplex and this actually happened at the first Heavy Montreal, it happened like in the ring. Somebody called Superplex and I was facing uh, Evil Uno from AEW on the TNTs now. And uh, we had a table and somebody called for Superplex and we were not supposed to do a Superplex, but we both agreed <laughs> on, in the moment like we're doing a Superplex off the top rope through this table. Hell yeah, we Amazing. are. And it's a living medium of art where creator and uh, an audience and receiver are collaborating to create this, fi- this finished piece of art. And that perspective to me is fascinating because you cannot yell like you go to see Avengers in the movie theater and you yell, yo, Captain America, like turn around and throw your shield. He's not going to do that, you know, but you can choose your own adventure in pro wrestling, which is a unique version of the storytelling medium uh, that quote unquote dead medium, like uh, uh, stuff that doesn't change, right? So like TV, movies, uh, books, like they can't change in front of you. Uh, Whereas pro wrestling can literally evolve and you as an audience member, not only direct, like directly impact what's happening on stage, but also what happens behind the scenes and also how the thing gets built, Uh right? How the soup gets made. Like the audience is is an exclusive, like, they're not just a part of the the soup. Like they're they're an important ingredient in the pro wrestling soup. You know what I mean? I know, especially extreme wrestling. Yeah. Well, that's it, right? Like fans bring the weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, exactly. Right. If you do fans bring the weapons, those weapons are literally chosen by the fans. We don't like <laughs> make a bunch of weapons and then take fans' weapons and hide those ones. Like wrestling does not have the budget to do that. <laughs> We're definitely doing what the fans are gonna bring, yeah. and. <laughs> It's a, uh, it's a special thing. It's a, it really is like, there's a kind of a specific kind of a 
energy that happens at professional wrestling shows that I've never experienced anywhere else. And I've done my fair share of performing across the board and there's nothing like it. And it's what keeps me coming back and keeps me sadly addicted. <laughs> I could have been a doctor. Could have been. <laughs> but, <laughs> but at 13, you went to wrestling school. So you've never had a real job like in the, in the, in the grand scheme no, no, of the I've, world. No, no, I, I have a real job. Oh, well. okay. Yeah. I yeah, 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 yeah. Wrestling and just, from 13 till now and this this is so for the longest time it was like that um i did i did live entirely off wrestling for a while but in 2017 i hurt my back and i wasn't able to wrestle okay um i actually so the the show that we just had there was my first match in the iws in four years okay um and during that time i got a job and you know what? I didn't give it up because this is a, like, you know, insurance. Why did I go to the dentist? <laughs> cool. Being a musician, I completely understand you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, it's, I, I have, a, I say that I have a, a job to support my wrestling habit. <laughs> That's what it is. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Let's talk about the school a bit more, the IWS Training Center. I think it's just so damn cool. Um, at what point did you guys decide to make it more professional, to, to invest more in it? Um, let's start with that question. I have a few others to go on that. Sure. Um, Quebec wrestling has... This is going to... I'm going to be political about this when I say I'm going to be professional here, right? But Quebec wrestling has several other schools. And in my opinion, uh, the schools that were there at the time were not adequate enough for uh, where people wanted to go in the industry. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, basically, there were some real uh, old school practices going on in these gyms uh, that I, I did not agree with. I thought that things had moved on. And one thing that we, we made sure to, uh, to really put forward is that it's, it's, we want it to be world-class and we believe that IWS itself is international, which it is. It's an internationally known company. And in order to do justice to that, uh, we would have to do something properly. And also I, I like, you spoke to Manny, you know how he is. And I'm also the same way that like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. So I'm not going to half-ass it. Balls to the walls. Of course. Like, absolutely. Right. Because like, what's the point otherwise? Like, what, what are we doing here? Uh-huh. Right. Um, we're, we're two dudes who we, we have to be the best at things. And whether that's a, <laughs> a, a positive or a negative is up to the audience to determine. However, uh, I got certified as a personal trainer for, in order to coach people. Um, you know, I've, I've had some coaches before I've taken lessons before where they're just like, okay, do this. And they couldn't teach you how to do it. They would just tell you how to do it. And I didn't want to be like that. And there were, there were predatory practices going on at other wrestling schools, uh, stuff like, uh, not graduating students. So you could keep living off of them because yes, you can just keep getting their fees, yes. like, like stuff like that, you know, like just things that didn't quite sit right with me. And I wanted to do it right. And in order to do it right, we had to live right as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I feel personally that I'm an honorable guy. And I think to me, if you're paying your hard-earned money to learn a craft and you respect that craft, then out of respect for that craft, uh, you should be doing it at the, the best level you can, the top level you can, right? Um, so wrestling is an, it's, it's an aesthetic business. You know, like you, people, you need to have muscles. Like you need to be telegenetic if you want to make it to the highest level. It's just, it, it, it sucks to hear sometimes for some people, but it's the truth. Like you need to be 
like the bet, the top wrestlers in the world are extremely, extremely sexy, like WWE champion or universal champion, or at least marketable in another way. Right. Sure. Or like quirky or they're like, mm-hmm. a, they're a character actor, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. But like having a good body definitely helps mm-hmm. being in shape helps because then you have to pick people up and you don't want to hurt them. That's correct. You need to be able to do that safely in order to do that. You need to train not just in wrestling, but also your muscles. You need to train in the gym. You need to train uh, various different forms uh, of cardio, of combat sports or what have you. Like the, the most that you can do is the best as long as you do it safely. Right. And that was another thing with safety for me um, as somebody who had gotten hurt. Uh, making sure that my students didn't make the same mistakes was very important for me. Uh, I didn't want to see them have opportunities blown because they got hurt as well. So, and also Manny's just like obsessed with strong man and powerlifting stuff. Like dude just loves, <laughs> and you know what I do too. Like we're, we're two guys who just love working out also. So like that played a lot into it. We we're like, Hey, by the way, let's just like make our own awesome gym. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. It's totally for the business. What? Um, but I got certified as a personal trainer so I could give my, my students workouts and like teach them uh, how to be in shape as well. And like, I'm not saying you have to like, you know, starve yourself and be a like, you know, 5% body fat or whatever, but you have to at least be able to get hit for Mm -hmm. one thing. You need to have like enough meat on your bones to get hit and not get hurt or not die. You know, like dying is bad. I'm told I've never tried, but (laughs) I've heard it's bad. Um, And also like you need to be able to pick people up. You need mm-hmm. to be able to run and you need cardio. Like if you're going to do a 10 minute wrestling is exhausting. Yes. There is no cardio that you could do to prepare you for pro wrestling. <laughs> it is exhausting. My first match back in training. I and like, I've been doing this my whole life. My first match back. I puked, dude. It was like, it was bad. And then I got back up and kept training because that's what you got to do. That's right. But like, it's exhausting. So you need to be, you need to give yourself as many tools as you can, as many different avenues to succeed, especially as, as a pro wrestling student. Right. Like you if you uh, are, have like a great social media game or whatever, and like you have very cool moves, but you completely neglect your your physical cardio, um, you're not going to go very far. And so in order to make sure that our students are complete packages, uh, we wanted to take it to the next level and really, um, really just b- build something where people could get to that international stage um, well within this facility. And I believe that our facility and I, I know that I'm biased, but I believe that we have the best equipped at least dojo. And I also believe we have the best coaching staff, but regardless um, (laughs) we like, there's no other dojo in Quebec pro wrestling school with like the weights that we do. And like, we have West side, West side barbell equipment. And we have like this massive 800 pound monolith squat rack that like takes the bars away from you. Like it's, it's ridiculous. I don't, it's just futuristic robot stuff. Um, we're super well equipped for this. So uh, we give our students access to the gym as well so that they're able to come in and do workouts. And if we need to like do like classes will be based on that. And if, uh, if they want like free workouts or whatever um, like, you know, gym routines, I make myself available to them uh, and there's no extra cost to that. It's just once you're in the gym, uh, we want you to do the best. My philosophy is like the better I create athletes, the better that I train these people and prepare them for success. And the more success they get, the more attention that my dojo will get, the more students my dojo will get. And therefore by giving my students the most possible, I get more students. So everybody wins, right? But if I try to like hold my students back or try to profit off of them, um, karma's gonna bite you in the ass, man. It just, it really is. And people are gonna either leave your school or stop recommending their friends. That's right. And I want this to be successful. So the best way to do that, in my opinion, is to do the best job possible. It's not to like talk about it. It's to be about it. And it's to walk the walk. And I feel like that's what we've been doing for uh, since 2015 now, 14, 15, around one of the two. But we've had guys and girls uh, go all over the world now. Like we've had people in Europe. We've had people in the States. Uh, My students are booked all the time. Like these people start. And that's the thing, right? Like during the training, I'm getting you bookings too. So if I'm going to go to a show, like I'm going to show this Saturday, I'm wrestling in Danville, Quebec. I'm giving a seminar in the afternoon and I'm wrestling in a fatal four-way number one contendership match in the evening. Awesome. Great. But I'm bringing three of my students with me also. And so they get opportunities. They get to do the seminar. They get to meet people. They get to network. 
And one of them, they had a cancellation for that show, so one of them got booked today. So he's going to be getting paid to be there, right? And so you're signed up to my school, but I'm getting you paid gigs. So it's like you're getting a discount on the school, (laughs) right? As long as you put in the work, I'm going to get you work. Like you're going to make money while training, while learning. They're coming with me to take my seminar and learn. And I'm like, here, let's make some money. And of course, like transportation costs are built into my fee. So they don't pay trans. I'm paying the trans, right? All you got to do is jump in the car, have a good attitude and learn. That's it. And this has been very successful so far. This whole philosophy of just like, it's a community thing. You know, it's not the Andrew show or it's not the Shane Hawk show. It's not the Manny show. It's the IWS. We're a team. And uh, it's not like we're giving pizza parties in the break room. It's like, no, this, this is, this is tangible. Like, this is concrete results. You get concrete results. And I feel like because of that, our track record has, has helped out a lot. And like, you look at our coaching staff, speedball mike bailey uh japanese superstar taekwondo legend uh very excellent mullet um and then before him <laughs> was uh, uh they're now jeff parker and matt lee 2.0 um and they're in aew right so they got signed to the big leagues um our coaching staff has been has proven that we're some of the best in quebec and we're not trying to prey on people's wallets we just can i swear is you swearing say okay whatever the no? fuck you want yes good we just fucking love that shit man it's it's really bad it's just it's really really that like we we make the money to keep the lights on and like you know update the dojo and stuff but i'm i have a job i reinvest everything back into the dojo manny reinvests everything back into the company into the dojo into getting better lighting better equipment what can we do to improve the quality like we have we have our own studio gear now you want to make tv yeah let's do that (laughs) i had that conversation with manny today like we're, we're on TV on the fight network and we have footage and I, I, I build the episodes for the fight network personally. So I, you know, I check the, I, I time them out. And uh, during the pandemic, I was doing the commentary. And then uh, during the pandemic, we had to do compilation episodes because we couldn't film new stuff. So we ended up doing like 75 episodes. And the, the way to make that new is that I would just curate the matches like best of this person or, or best of high flying or like whatever, like the, the genre gimmick was. But then we would just go to the dojo with our own equipment and film throws for international TV. And I spoke to Manny about it today. I'm like, why don't we just keep these throws up? Because like it, it adds to the episode. It's something special. And like, you know, it fills people in and it adds extra time to the episodes, which is even better. We can get more out of like, any particular filmed event, right? And he's like, yeah, let's do that. And I said, Sunday? He said, Sunday. We're doing it Sunday. That's it. We're going to film international TV Sunday. I love Just it. like that. Um, <laughs> which sounds ridiculous to 13-year-old me who was like bumping on concrete, you know? Like, you know, it doesn't be real, but it's, it's a thing. So I guess we're doing it. If people want to sign up to the training center, how do they do that? Where do they go? Uh, give yourself a little pitch right there. Yeah, let's uh, let's get those plugs in. Get those plugs in <laughs> nice and well. So um, we're IWS Training Center on Facebook. Uh, I run that page, so I'll get the messages directly. Uh, people should also check out IWS International Wrestling Syndicate on Facebook. We'll also answer those. Uh, it's at IWS Hardcore on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we do not have TikTok yet uh, because I do not understand it. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, you know, We're that's, too old. that's the truth. Yeah, and uh, at Superstar Hawk, Hawk has an E at the end on the Twitter machine, on the Instagram. I do have a TikTok for my Superstar Hawk thing, um, but it was just to reserve the username. I don't know how to use it. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just didn't want somebody else to have the username. Um, Send us a message. Uh, we're happy to fill you in. The first lesson is always free. Uh, we're located in Montreal North at the uh, Arena Bruxelles. Uh, it's, it's a hockey arena. It's like an indoor hockey arena. And then on the side, we have our gym. Um, like I said, first lesson's free. Classes are Tuesday, Thursday, 8 to 10 p.m. And then Sunday, 1 to 3 p.m. Uh, I teach on the weekend. Speedball teaches during the week. Uh, and like I said, you get uh, if you need a, a gym program, we'll do that for you. Um, if you need photos done, let's say you need 8 by 10 right we do that you have to film a promo and send that absolutely um we have the full built-in studio to take it to the next level 
and I am real proud of that. Really cool. I knew that it was a wrestling school. I didn't know that it was that involved. I think it's really awesome. Let's talk it's about a- metal. Montreal is a metal city. Metal podcast. Are you a Hell metal yeah, fan? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but like, okay. So like, I'm a metal fan. I really like metal, but like, I can't name you like you know the, the top five Slayer <laughs> riffs of all. Like, I'm not at that level, and I, I fully admit to that. Um, Which is good. huge. Met like I I like the music. I love the music. I'm bad at like titles and shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'll hear the song and I'll be like, yeah, okay, cool, that's a good one. I remember that one. Um, but. I just want to put that disclaimer before you ask me your question because I, I don't want to come up with a poster. What would be your favorite uh, metal concert experience? Mm. So I actually do have a story for that. Um, second year we did Heavy, mm. Rob Zombie was headlining. That's correct. I played that year. Okay, there you go. Um, I That was like my first real metal show, to be honest really? with you. Um, Way back in the day, my left eardrum was shattered oh, via shit. slap. Oh, yeah. So, like, yeah. So, uh, lo- loud bass kind of it fucks with me and, like, makes me dizzy. So, I don't really go to, like, loud shows like that. But I, damn right, I put in an earplug for heavy. Oh, yeah, let's do it. And, I mean, like, we were drinking, obviously, right? Because uh, it's, <laughs> it's heavy. It's, it's what you do. Um, my friends convinced me to uh, go crowd surfing for the first time. Really? during a teenage Nosferatu pussy by uh, Rob Zombie. And I remember the song very well because I was like mind blown. Now I got LASIK surgery in 2017, but this was like 2015. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was legally blind at the time. So I handed my glasses to somebody, which is smart. Uh, right. So I handed my glasses to my buddy and then went up, but I'm, I'm blind as, as bad. Like I can't see anything, but like I can kind of see shapes and colors. You know, like I, I was wrestling blind. Too, I was so going to ask that question. I was going to ask that question. Out, like I, I discerned people's like if I saw like an oblong, you know, like I knew this was an arm. Like I didn't know how many fingers you were holding up, but I knew, you know what I mean? Um, so like it was, but like also I was kind of like I had drunk goggles on anyway, so I don't think it really mattered. But I had a really great time. Like we fully crowd surfed to the front. It was awesome. I was like fucking partying. I was feeling it great energy great vibe like i love those metal shows for that reason like the vibe is similar to like how we i feel about pro wrestling like absolutely i'm excited about that i'm man i am like crowd surfing hell yeah all right cool uh i get put down in front and like security guards are like you know they usher people out quickly they're like they're they're not playing yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) except that i have an all-access vip bracelet Mm -hmm. yeah because i'm an artist on the show correct so I flashed it because I was allowed to be there. <laughs> so he let me go calmly. It was fine. Like I had access, right? Mm-hmm. So he was like, oh, okay, it's fine. Just like go, whatever. It's the best. And so I went. But the problem is I didn't have my glasses and I got completely separated from my friends. Oh. <laughs> Imagine being blind and going through a heavy headliner <laughs> concert full of people, full of people, and you're drunk. And you just crowd surf for the first time, right? <laughs> Imagine that headspace and then having to stumble along and find the person with your glasses. Oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I, I might as well have been on all fours. It was, like, like, it, it was, it was almost comical, to be honest. And, like, I, it's funny now. It was funny then, too. Like, I kind of just laughed at how absurd the situation was. Um, walked through, walked through, could not find them, went back to the VIP area. Maybe they had gone back. Nope, absolutely not. <laughs> went back. I'm squinting the whole time, like, literally, like, Frankensteining. People must thought I'm insane. Um, as I walk back, oh, I ran into him. Okay, it was cool. Uh, and he gave me back my glasses. <laughs> but that was like, I, I'm not going to forget that at all times. <laughs> like, you know, like how they say, like when one sense dims, uh, mm-hmm. like the other ones like, right. get stronger. Yeah. Like, I feel like that was the case. <laughs> and I could I could hear more. And I, I had an earplug in. So like I was I, my head wasn't hurting. And like uh, I could I just I felt the energy that night. Amazing. Like <laughs> eyes closed in a sea of people. Um and that was an experience like I will never forget that it was <laughs> that was like to, like that was metal to me. It that is. was what metal was like. I was listening, <laughs> just listening to the riffs, blind as shit, just feeling the music, not like looking, not looking and like, you know, drinking it in or whatever, just feeling it emotionally. Uh, and now I can't I can't think I can't listen to that song without like going back to that place now. So I have to be very careful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also am very interested at in Montreal wrestling. Why is there such a strong tie 
to wrestling in Quebec, wrestling in Montreal, the Montreal Screwjob. Before that, there's just so many things that have happened here in Montreal. Uh, so many wrestlers started from here, uh, went on into the world afterwards, back in the day, till now. Uh, why does Montreal have such a vibrant wrestling scene? You know, I, I like. I think it's the same reason that that the metal scene in Montreal is, is special too, mm-hmm. and um, it's. I feel like, uh, especially as like an artistic city, and uh, like a very good looking city too. <laughs> um, Montreal it, it has this artistic side to it that it feels more like it doesn't feel like a, a Philadelphia. You know, like people who are, are much douchier than me will say it's European. Um, I, I wouldn't say that, but like <laughs> the old port has a European. <laughs> right, right. Like people will say that. I'm just, <sighs> um, but there's definitely like a very, a very uh, artistic culture to Montreal. And um, whether that's the bilingualism, uh, you know, ideas clashing all the time, creating um, uh, controversy and therefore creativity or just the art programs that we have here, what have you. Um, it's a very emotional city. And uh, I don't mean emotional like emo. I mean, like uh, passionate, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of people with a lot of passion for a lot, a lot of artistic mediums um, and pro wrestling in particular uh, is like, it's, it's there's, like Cirque du Soleil is here and so is pro wrestling. I mean, they're very similar. You know, it's a performance that makes you feel things. Um, whereas, and it's live, you know, and people like to go out too. They, like there's, there's a big nightlife here in Montreal. They want entertainment. People love entertainment. And as long as there's been entertainment, there's been pro wrestling. It's a live action comic book. It, it's, it's good versus evil and archetypal storytelling. It's the last bastion of Shakespearean theater in the park. It's true. You know, it's an evolution of it. And we like this kind of entertainment, I think, as a people in Montreal. Um, I think that we have a flair for the dramatic. I think that we're like everybody here is passionate. Like there's no nobody in the art is just like kind of there. <laughs> like there's no there's no, uh, you know, Bob from accounting in any of the art scenes. Right. But even Bob from accounting in Montreal like in his brown suit, he likes to go and yell at wrestlers on the weekend. I guarantee it. Um, it's also, it's also a very um, unique form of escape, which is uh, something that we all want. We all want that in our entertainment. We want to shut our mind down for a couple of moments or what have you. And one thing about the indie scene is that you get a, an experience, a personalized experience when you go to an indie show. Um, you get to meet the wrestlers and talk to them, which you might not see on TV, right? Um, but I can tell you, like, there are people who go to wrestling shows who are not very happy with their lives. And, like, I can't blame them. There's people who have, have troubles and woes, and they go to a wrestling show, and they want to forget about them. And I think that we as wrestlers have a responsibility to put their interests ahead of our own when performing. And I tell my students all the time that you're not wrestling for yourself. You're not wrestling for the mat. You're not wrestling for the ceiling. You're wrestling for the audience around you. Um, There's just this connection that is built between artistic and like violence. Also, like there's a lot of violence here too, whether it's um, physical or just linguistic or, you know, uh, ideological. Um, There's a lot of like, angry people but not as much fighting as you would think and i think wrestling is this really weird way to combine the two you know like it combines the passion and the emotion of our daily lives with like physicality that we wish we could accomplish in everyday life like a heel in wrestling is not just the guy who comes out and says like hey fuck you like that's cheap it's bullshit I want to play the guy who cut you off in traffic and didn't get caught, <laughs> except that in pro wrestling he does get caught, right? It's a morality play where things actually work out the way we wish they did in real life. And that kind of classic archetypal storytelling in the vein of Joseph Campbell, in the vein of like, uh, like of Homer and the Odyssey and like all the literary classics, you see that in pro wrestling all the time. Um, except that it's not as snooty, it's low brow. So you can feel fine to like go and yell and drink beer, you know, like 
you go to Cirque du Soleil, yeah, you go to Cirque du Soleil, you're not going to start yelling at the performers, right? Like, do a flip better. Fuck you. You can't do that. They're not going to turn back and yell back at you. In pro wrestling, you can. And we have a lot of foul mouth people here. And they like to yell at people. And this is a way for them to do it. And hey, you want to yell at me as long as I'm getting paid. Bring it on, man. Because I'm a professional talker. I guarantee you I will have much worse things to say. But it's that emotional connection with the audience that is already passionate as it is. It's the idea that um, we're creating something together. It's a collaborative effort. And it's about reaching into the emotional center of your audience, reaching into their subconscious and using techniques to make them feel things that they want permission to feel. Some people don't feel like they have permission to feel things the way they do. Maybe they're not allowed to feel always angry, like top angry. There's somebody who won't yell at somebody else because they feel intimidated. But you know what? You can get that out at pro wrestling. It's therapeutic and like cathartic experience. Yeah. It is. It is. And then you get to see people get beat up and then you get to see like <laughs> sexy guys and gals in very little clothing. You know, it's uh, there's something for everybody here. Fun for the full, whole family. It's a variety show. I'm interested. This is because you could say if it's too much of a question, but uh, you got injured and that's when you couldn't do full time anymore. I'm, yes. I'm imagining at the same time, that's when you became more involved, like as an executive producer in IWS and yeah. with the head trainer of the IWS training center. Uh, take me to that moment of realizing that the big time might just not be happening for you. Sure. So I actually started um, being more active behind the scenes in uh, around 2014. Okay. okay. Like we started the, the dojo around 2014, 2015. Um, when I got injured, uh, Matt Lee, Big Magic, uh, had to replace me for nine months while I couldn't walk. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't walk for a very long time. Jesus. Uh, which just made me thankful that I can walk now. Unbelievable. You know? I don't um, know that. Okay. Um, I don't believe the big time isn't happening for me yet. Good. Okay. I can't do that. I can't give you a moment. I can tell you when I felt defeated, but I never felt like I was done. And that's why I stayed around. You know, Um, I I, I went to the doctor. uh, I had an MRI down on my back. Uh, He showed me the results. He's like, you can't wrestle anymore. You know, like I got the talk. Uh, I was walking with a cane at the time. So like I couldn't walk for a while. So I had, I had torn my, uh, my MCL, which had put my hips out of place. And then I had uh, herniated my L5 S1 disc in the lower part of my spine, 44 is it, is millimeters. one injury or is it subsequent Two injuries. abuse? That, Knee that... led to back. Okay. But also it's like 18 years of abuse of the exactly, body, yeah. you know, starting at 14. On it, the concrete floor. Something yes. was going to pop eventually, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I called Manny and I explained it. He's like, well, I guess you're done. And I was like, yeah, I guess I'm done too. And then we just started booking the next show. Um, I definitely took the time to, you know, process it and and feel feelings about it. I have not, uh, I didn't compartmentalize it or, or not deal with it. I, I did. It's just that I just adjusted, you know? Um, I never thought that I was going to be uh, like a WWE champion or anything. Like I'm only 5'8". Um, usually it's taller people. The last several years have changed that completely in wrestling. Like a lot of uh, shorter dudes uh, are, are getting signed, which is awesome. Um, but like, I, I clearly made some mistakes along the way. Um, and I think that being able to coach and have my students learn from me, there's still places, there's still a place for me in wrestling. There's a place for everybody in wrestling. You know, you don't have to be in the ring to be doing something. You'd be a manager. You could be a commentator. You could be a referee. There's a million things you can do to me. I'm just very good logistics and organizing. So it made sense. And like, strengths. Yeah. Right. Right. So, uh, during that time I started writing comic books with uh, my friend, Andy Belanger. He's, a um, an artist here in Montreal and, uh, we worked on several different comic books for WWE for with Boom Studios and WWE. So we did like a book on Undertaker and Kane. That's and so I got cool. to like fill in the backstory of the burning funeral home. Really? Which was never explained on TV. Like we did a 10 pager of that. It was badass. 
Uh, we got to do another 10 pager in the WrestleMania special for it was Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, the two guys from Montreal fighting forever. We did stuff with Jake the Snake Roberts, with uh, Roman Reigns, uh, Brock Lesnar. Like we we did some really cool books, you know, and I got to work for WWE. That's so sick. Like doing that. Um, and, you know, and then and then all of our TV stuff started happening for IWS. Uh, and that just snowballed out of control. Like that was within two years. We were making full TV episodes. Like, I don't know how to make a TV episode at first. Like, what are you talking about? I'm a wrestler. Like, I hit people in the head, you know? Um, there was no time for me where I said, like, I, I'm not going to be big time because I would just, uh, I would just refocus and reframe what big time meant to me, you know? Very smart. Yeah. Big time doesn't mean WWE or, or AEW or to me, like, I think to me when I when I will truly be satisfied is when I get back to the level where I'm living entirely off my art and don't need to have a day job. And we're getting there. And we're getting there. And you know what? Even if I have to have a day job, it's fine. You know, um, I was saying like I just I just I just fucking love this shit. Right, so I still get to do it. Uh, I still get to have a lot of fun doing it. So there was no real moment of like, oh, I'm done. This is it for me. It was more like, what can I do to beat myself yesterday? I'm not comparing myself to anybody else, just what I did the other day. And there's still many, many, there's an infinite possibilities of how to win in life in general. And I just adjusted. That's very, 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 very smart. And I love that answer. I think it's very intelligent that you did that and uh, a very satisfying way of looking at life uh, a lot of wrestlers don't do that though there's these you see yeah. wrestlers you know past their prime still out there what 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 if you could speak to them without naming anyone specifically what would you say to them to tell someone to it's time to hang up hang up their coat hey take off the, the fancy pajamas <laughs> murder pajamas yes um i I can't fault anybody at any age for taking a payday. You know, um, if there are people who will pay money to see you go for it, you know what I mean? Like when I wrestled ax from demolition, he was 69 years old, but it was still fun. It was still awesome. The crowd loved it. We still sold out the venue, you know, like it was still cool. Um, I, I like, there, like I said, wrestling. There's something in wrestling for everyone. I think the only concern I would have is: Are you taking spots from hungry, hardworking young lions who need to be there in order for the next generation to succeed and in order for pro wrestling to continue? Um, I, I think also one of the main things about the dojo is that I think I need to give back to pro wrestling um, because it's given me so much. And in order to do that, I need to set up the future generation properly. Um, are you an old timer who's working with a young person in order to elevate them? Then hell yeah, get out there, brother. Go. Are you somebody who's holding people down? You know, you don't want to lose your spot, so to speak, but you're way past your prime and like nobody wants to see you got that go away reaction. Then yeah, hang them up. But one thing that I say to, uh, to my students and to other wrestlers in general is, when you start to th when you start thinking that you no longer have to train that you have nothing left to learn that's when you retire because you should always have more to learn there's always more to train there's all like it's so vast as an art form there's always something else to do as soon as you get set in your ways the business will evolve and pass you the moment you think that you do not need to evolve anymore you die that's it evolve or die um and i mean even then like we i say that but there are some people like some old cats who still do the same shtick that they did like 25 years ago and they have huge followings on the internet so who am i to even say you know <laughs> if, if you're getting i don't know just as long as you're still a good person you know <laughs> I, I which is an oversimplification but as long as you still respect professional wrestling as an art form and you're still taking the interest of pro wrestling seriously, keep going, whatever, man. Like, but don't get hurt. No, if you're going to wrestle and like, you're going to break your hip or whatever, which I did, but I'm not mm. super old. Um, 
then yeah, don't wrestle anymore. Come on, like stop. But <laughs> people are gonna buy a ticket to see you. Great, go do that. Just elevate some younger talent in the in the process. You know, don't just go into business for yourself. Back to beer. If you could organize a beer, make a beer for IWS, a beer for yourself, for Professor H, uh, what style of beer would it be? What would you call it? You, you spoke about it a bit earlier, but I would throw you yep. right on if you, I had to really pinpoint it down. Mm-hmm. That is like asking me what my favorite star is in the sky. <laughs> now I'm on the spot. Um, well, look, I'm a blonde Liger guy. Can I like have magical beer? Can they have magical properties? Sure, let's be go. Yeah, okay, cool. Fun. Um, is there like this is gonna sound weird no i don't know anyway look if there was a beer uh that somehow did not bloat you and (laughs) add all those extra calories like when we get zero calorie diet beer um that still gets game changer (laughs) game changer um and that's like this there's the sleeman Mm 2.0 like light beer you know with like less calories and less but like it's not the same it doesn't feel like no, no shade at Sleeman or no shade. You know, like I'm not. Listen, there's a, there's a market for it clearly. So hey, you know, it's not my place to say what is good or no. It's just, it's not the same. I want a like a proper, good tasting crisp beer that will let me still be an athlete. Can we do that? No, apparently not. What are you doing, science? Science, get your shit together. Miracle Figure this beer. out. <laughs> what, what would you call it? What would I call it? So I guess I'd have to like make it professor themed. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, like everything else has been professor themed for a while, but like what kind of beverage? Hmm. You'd have to drink it from a beaker. That's for sure. Absolutely. That would be badass too. It could smoke, you know, like cause all the beakers and everything, <laughs> they always smoke. Like, that'd be awesome. Um, Can I just rip off your podcast name and go like, for Professor it. and Hops? <laughs> like I'm Professor H, like Professor Hops, like maybe Professor Hops. There you go. The miracle. Why not? Beer. Zero yeah. calories. <laughs> Professor Hops is a miracle beer, and then if you want to buy that, I got a bridge in Brooklyn for you. I could sell you too. <laughs> One last question. Uh, it probably doesn't happen to you very often because you are getting in shape. You were in the best shape of your life. You got in crazy shape mm. over the pandemic. Uh, mm-hmm. You're going to have to ride an extra, you know. 40 minutes on the, the bike by behind you to burn off that beer right there. But every once in a while, it happens to everyone. Uh, hypothetically, it's going to happen right after Scarred for Life, which is happening on October 16th at MTELUS. Um, yes. What is your hangover cure? Oh, man. Okay, so um, bacon and bread sandwich. All right. Um, which sounds odd, but I've read a lot about how that combination is really good for curing hangovers. And eggs don't agree with me, like at when I'm hungover. Um, so usually there'll be that. Uh, I like to refer to days where I'm hungover as uh, write-offs. They're like they're, you know what I mean, like they're, they're write-off days. Um, big fan of the old dirty Mickey D's. Uh, when I'm hungover, like a give me a McGang Bang and I'm good to go. Uh, some nuggets in bed and some episodes of The Office. I don't know, maybe some wrestling. Don't want to do any work. Uh, I started doing like the, the aspirin or the Tylenol before bed and uh-huh. drinking water to try and help out. It hasn't really done much for me. <laughs> um, I'm a ginger though. And like gingers have higher pain tolerance and higher uh, medication tolerance. Okay. Really, which is know true. That. You can look that up. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so like maybe it's that, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to be a more responsible adult these days, but it's not going so well. I mean, it's going better than it was, but it's not going so well. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm a 33 year old man play fighting in his underwear after breaking his back. It's a terrible idea, but regardless, uh, I'm trying. And part of that is taking the aspirin, taking the water, and you know, staying hydrated or whatever. Um, but I have like I have an extreme tolerance. It's as I said, like we have more tolerance for for medication that includes alcohol too. So hangovers are not that common for me. It takes me a lot to get hung over, um, but I accomplished my goal. Don't get me wrong. I'm able to get there. Uh, but yeah, that, the bacon and, bacon and bread sandwich and just like throw some butter on that bad boy. Hey, and then coffee. You got to get coffee. Amazing. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Shane, thank you so, so much for taking the time, hanging out with me, talking about your life, talking about wrestling, talking about beer. Uh, I had a blast. Everyone, please go see Scarred for Life. Um, you're going to be wrestling alongside Maxim Lemire against Bob yes. the Animal Anger, and it's the return of Sexy Eddie. Uh, very cool. October 16th, M. Tellus. Be there, people. It's this Saturday. If you can go there, you should go there. The last one sold out. This one's going to sell out. Um, Shane, oh, yeah, I will. Thank you so, so much. This was a blast. Cheers to you. This is awesome. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, did I ever have a great time hanging out with Shane. I had so much, so much fun digging deeper into the realm and the world of professional wrestling. This is the third professional athlete that I've had on the podcast, and I really, really enjoy speaking with them. You should definitely go and pick up your tickets for their event, Scarred for Life, which is happening this Saturday, October 16th at MTELUS. It's going to be a killer event, and it will sell out, so get your tickets now. You can do that via the link in the description of this podcast. If you enjoyed this Vox & Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast's mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O. PS.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, including all the details for any episodes which I've dropped throughout that week, if I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, pertinent information of any cool projects that I have in the works, as well as the updated links to the Brutal Awakening playlist, which is available on both Apple Music and Spotify and is curated by my man, Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself. So please do me a favor, sign up to the mailing list because there's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. I would absolutely hate it if you were to miss a single thing. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I hope you have a glorious rest of the week. I'll be back next Tuesday with the 300th episode of Vox and Hops. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! Yeah! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.